Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine. Hello all and welcome into Racing World. <coughs> you see what I did there? Not that you could race in that truck, I'm sure you could. And I'm Darcy Watergrave, along with David Turner and Bob McMurray. We are the Racing World crew. Great to have you back on board again for yet another week. We have a very special guest via Zoom this week. His name is Adrian Burgess. If you know anything about motorsport globally, uh, that name will reverberate. Uh, currently, he's running motorsport for, of all places, the V8 Supercars. So we'll have a great in-depth chat with Adrian Burgess. We all caught up with him earlier on the day at Bob's place. Uh, now we're back in our own nests, hence the slight difference in video there. If you are watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and share. The future of this broadcast depends on it. The same with Anchor FM, uh, with Radio Public, and Spotify as well. Like, share, and subscribe, and we'll all be happy. Right, we'll start things off with the big news of the weekend, which of course was Formula One, and what I have to say was a fairly underwhelming race. Quite sad. Uh, Imola, beautiful, wonderful racetrack, but quite frankly, uh, Bob McMurray, I'm sure you've got something to say around this. It just doesn't suit the modern vehicle in Formula One. It was processional at best. Yes, we uh, had a seventh time now manufacturer's champions in the form of Mercedes. And uh, Lewis had a, a lucky old time picking up yet another victory. Just got lucky with the safety car. But Bob, it really was, soporific's probably a little cruel, but it wasn't the most stimulating race I've ever seen anyway. No, I don't think it was soporific, Darcy. Uh, um, although I, I don't think either it was the fault of the track. The track is still a fantastic track and it's a wonderful track to race on. When you listen to all the drivers, it is a wonderful track, end of story. The problem is with the cars. I mean, the race actually made me quite sad. Um, I was looking forward to another old school track, which it is, absolutely old school track, where only one driver had raced a Formula One car on a previous occasion. That, that of course, was Kimi Raikkonen. Um, the last time they raced it, 2006. Um, and it, was, it, it, it should have been testing the drivers and challenging them. Instead, the current Formula One cars, and I've written this, incidentally, because I didn't want to carry on forever, because I will do. I'll make what do you mean, carry on forever? always want to carry on forever. Come on, Bob, carry no, no, on forever. No, 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 like a, a rant that we have when we don't really have a rant. It's <laughs> not really a rant. This is just something I wanted to make it concise. Anyway, uh, instead, the current Formula One cars just seem to brush the track aside and make it look as if it was somehow in the way. Um, there's some excitement and some fascinating bits in the race with some overtaking, not a lot. But overall, I can see why people are turning away from watching Formula One. A track like that, and it's still, you know, it should be an exciting race, but it wasn't because they couldn't overtake, not the fault of the track. That's the whole point about it. It's not the fault of Hamilton or Mercedes either, I hasten to add, but it got um, so processional in the end. They're both doing a fine job, and congratulations to the team on winning another Formula One Constructors title, which, is, which makes them only one behind McLaren now, and of course behind Ferrari and Williams as well, but I mentioned McLaren. Um, but it's just so predictable, and the cars were not generally, are not able to overtake, and the drivers not able to, to make any real fight of many of the GPs. Now that is, I think, has been recognised by, by um, 
uh, Ross Braun, you know, who's in charge of titularly in charge of Formula One or or whatever they're calling the Liberty Media version of it, even he has recognised that um, great old tracks are what is needed to make racing proper, like we saw at Mugello, like we see at some other tracks that are not the traditional car park tracks. Um, so it needs to be a race that would go to a place like Imola and have a good race. Unfortunately, the cars mitigate against that, militate against that, sorry. Um, so, yeah, that's my only issue with it. Uh, the winning, weekend's winners, well, the two-day weekends for a start. I thought that was pretty good, having a two-day weekend. Mercedes and Hamilton, obviously. Alpha and both their drivers, they won out. Ricciardo, including his shoey, times two. What Lewis Hamilton do to, to do something he never said he would do. And the Imola track, I just love it, despite all the memories there, uh, which are not very good. The losers, poor old Georgie. Lovely, gorgeous Georgie Russell. What did you do, you dickhead? Anyway, he, <laughs> I mean, he just, you know, he just put it in the wall when he should. He would have had a, 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 um, a point there somehow or other. Valtteri Bottas had half the front uh, Ferrari front wing on his car. Max Verstappen, he lost out big time there, doesn't he? Alex, Alexander Albon, things are not improving for, <laughs> for lots and lots of reasons. Um, Lance Stroll for lots and lots of mistakes now. And his pit jackman, who was whacked by Lance Stroll because he said his tyres were cold. Well, come on, get a grip. The kid's going backwards at the moment. Something's wrong there. And the Ferrari fits, pit stop for Vettel. I mean, and everything else with Ferrari. Overall, the weekend, yeah, great. Hamilton, Bottas, Ricciardo, we're seeing that all the time now. Except the Stappen should have been in there as well. I've got to chip in, Bob. I've got to chip in. What, what about Haas? Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one had a bad neck because he couldn't, the gearbox was too rough and it was banging his head against the back of the thing. And um, it was remarkable that uh, um, Grosjean came to the defence of George Russell and said, Don't worry, mate, things happen, you know. But it's happened to Grosjean lots of times, isn't it? When he's crashed with nobody around him. And Alexander Albon saying that he thought that Sainz touched him. When you can see from the overhead shot, Sainz did well to bloody miss him as he was spinning all on his own. Alexander Albon, mate, look over your shoulder. Because, well, we all know now, it's, it, he's, he's in trouble. He's got to dig himself out of a big old hole. That was Formula One for me. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the fact you didn't, like the cars on that track, which means we didn't get the racing we wanted. And something we've all known about Formula One for the last handful of years is that it can be a bit of a lottery as to what kind of race you're going to get. So even though this was underwhelming, at least we know now that it's a track that's not suitable for these cars. So I think it's the best thing about the season. We go through all these odd tracks, and these odd systems, like a two-day weekend, so on and so forth. Formula One have to take lessons from this and apply it to next season. Where do these cars actually work? Where do people like to watch these cars? Is a two-day weekend eventually going to be a whole lot better? You take 2020 as a season, and you pick it apart and try and apply it forward to make sure this wasn't a year in waste, right? No, you're right, Darcy, but the fact is the cars are nearly twice the size and twice the weight of what they were um, when the, uh, Imola was in its prime. The, the cars are so wide. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And every driver said, you quickly saw it during the race, that everybody got um, about four car lengths apart and they couldn't get any closer. That's because there were so many lovely twists and turns and hills and stuff like that and wonderful corners that they couldn't actually take the corners at speed because they were getting all the wash from the car in front. That's got to stop. I don't care how they do it, it's got to stop somehow. 
and I'm, I'm sure Formula One is aware of it, but what have they done about it lately? Sweet bugger all. Last 30 years. Look, let's get away to the States where they can uh, put passing races on in the form of IndyCar. David Turner, what's happening over there in the Indy circus uh, currently? I just, I, first of all, I'll counter everything Bob's just said about passing, not passing. No, IndyCar does that. Championships no, over the wire. No, IndyCar does that. Um, close racing. No, wait, IndyCar does that. So, I all the cars are the same in IndyCar. All the cars are the same. <laughs> so anybody can do that. You do that in Toyota Racing Series. Uh, but uh, no, quite a bit happening, really, considering that the season only finished just last week and we're already talking about the next season. So um, there's, there's been a lot going on. Big movement within the Chip Ganassi Racing Team. They announced Alex Plough joining the team. So that's that's pretty big. Uh, a big loss for, for Dale Coyne Racing in some ways. And it's, again, a bit like Formula One, Bob, where we have... Teams like Williams that have brought young drivers into the equation only to lose them to the bigger teams. So that's a, that's a case of that. Um, Jimmy Johnson testing with Ganassi Racing this week as well. So there's there's a, a lot going on. Calendars announced. They'll have an oval before Indy. So yeah, McLaren have got a new driver as well. Sorry, what was that? McLaren have got a new driver in IndyCar as well. Yep. Yep. There's, there's a lot of change going on. So, so from Ganassi. Yeah, yeah, one from Ganassi. So um, I think that combination actually at, at McLaren with, um, you know, Pat Award, who we've talked about many times, and then teaming them up with, you know, Rosenquist as well, could be one to watch, especially when you see the form that, that Pat had in that last quarter of the season. You know, it's, it's not the same Sam Smith team that we've seen for the last few years, that's for sure. So people like Hinchcliffe and that, you know, they, they delivered, but it's gone up another notch. So, yeah, very exciting times. And then obviously there was the prize giving where our own Scott Dixon collected yet another trophy and Chip collected yet another trophy. Um, but, you know, as far as those guys are concerned, season's done and dusted. They're um, testing at, at Barber this week and then across to the West Coast into Laguna before the testing ban comes into play. So, yeah, a, a lot going on in, in IndyCar. And it's... Um, it's all good. All good. Bob McMurray, um, other events happened over the weekend. We'll take a wee look at those before we get to Adrian Burgess. What's in your mind? I know NASCAR keeps going because that's a constant. Well, it went, it's coming to the end of its constancy because we are now down to this coming up. This, uh, this next race is at Phoenix, and we're now down to the last four drivers to battle for the championship. There's Jerry Logano, Chase Elliott. Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin, that's two Penske drivers in the last four, even in NASCAR, they've got Penske all over it. So the ones that were eliminated in the last race in Martinsville, Kevin Harvick, Martin Trex Jr., uh, Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman. So we're down to those four and the world tour, and by the world tour of NASCAR, I mean, how many times can they go around the world in one season in mileage that's coming to an end after Phoenix. We have the IMSA WeatherTech um, sports car race at Laguna Seca and Earl Bamba, was in action again, but this time he won his class, the uh, GTLM, GTLM class. He was ninth overall in the race with the DPI cars. That's the uh, Daytona prototype, prototype cars. And Earl won the, um, or Earl and his two, uh, his co-driver, Lawrence Vantour, won the, in the Porsche 911 RSR, won the GTLM class. So good. Earl Bam was back on the, um, on the scene. Jackson Evans won the, um, Porsche Carrera Cup France um, title as well at the weekend. That was uh, pretty good. We had, incidentally, just rushing back to these shores, we had a race meeting last weekend 
at Hampton Downs uh, where I was at and the we had muscle cars and Mazdas and uh, all sorts of other things including of which was their um, what I was there for TR86 um, race it was two one-hour enduros the first race was run by Daniel Gordon Taylor Bryant the second race Billy Fraser and Connor Adam Billy Fraser being um, looked while well, he's looking at uh, Toyota racing series coming up soon um, and Connor Adam is well experienced in the 86 class and the round was won by Christina Allwest and Rowan Shepherd for two points by Taylor Bryant and Daniel Gaunt and um, Connor Adam and Billy Fraser were uh, third. At, uh, sorry, I'll reverse all that. Yes. Because I wrote them down the opposite way. Connor <laughs> Adam and Billy Fraser won it with 142 points. <laughs> Taylor Bryant, Daniel Gaunt second, and Christine Allwest and Rowan Shepherd were third in the, uh, the, for the round. So um, apart from me paying complete attention and getting the results around the wrong way, that was what happened last weekend. That's all. A note, a note for you there, Darcy. It's probably better that we do do our shows during the day than the night because obviously yeah. Bob reads things yeah. backwards at night time. Mm. Yeah, well, we did right. do something during the day here at Racing World. If you are listening on Spotify or Radio Public or Anchor FM, please like, subscribe and share. Same, same with the YouTube video broadcast earlier on the day. Bob, myself and David Turner caught up with V8 Supercars man Adrian Burgess. That interview is coming up next on Racing World. Perspective Group is a leading media production company based in Auckland, New Zealand. Established in 2009 by former TVNZ producer David Turner, Perspective Group offers you a vast arrangement of media options to fit any size or budget. It covers truly global services supported by some of New Zealand's leading media talents. For more information, contact Perspective Group Limited at perspectivegroupltd at gmail.com. And check out the website, perspectivegroupltd.com, where you'll find even more information on creating your media solutions. You have a dream. You have all the drive in the world. You have talent to burn. Now all you need is a chance. Toyota are committed to developing and nurturing New Zealand's next generation of world-class racing drivers. Because if you can dream it, we can do it. We're joined now on the Racing World podcast by a very special guest, a good friend of Bob McMurray's, kind of a friend of mine. And David, you've just met Adrian Burgess. Yep. Adrian Burgess. Long-standing friend. <laughs> As the head of motorsport uh, for the Virgin Australia V8 car series. Adrian, thanks very much for joining us on the program after what's been a truly bizarre season for the supercars. One like no other, and let's hope it doesn't repeat, hey? Yeah, no, pleasure to uh, join you guys. Yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy year for everybody, um, especially our guys trying to get a series away. Um, yeah, we, we had to duck and dive and, uh, and adjust on the, on the run pretty much all of the year, but uh, no, we're really uh, happy and proud that we managed to get the series uh, completed and, and finish off a, a crazy year with a, with a fantastic event in Bathurst as normal. I guess, Adrian, we should explain that you're not surrounded by various advertising hoardings for Virgin and supercars <laughs> and all sorts of things because you are isolating. You are, uh, you're still on your journey back home after Bathurst, which is um, probably the longest journey you've ever taken for the shortest distance. Yeah, look, we, we are doing our uh, two weeks. To enter back into Queensland, we need to do 14 days in a, in a bubble in uh, 
northern New South Wales. But uh, look, we can't complain. The, the amazing guys down in Melbourne did 105, 106 days on the road this year. So for us to do two weeks at the end um, after Bathurst is a, yeah, it's a pleasure to do it. We talked to Andre Heimgartner last week, Adrian, and he told us about the number of meals that Kelly Racing had had out. They'd presented <laughs> themselves with these little trophies, and it's an outstanding number, really, for the Victorian teams to be on the road that long and, and how they cope with it, which is a testament, actually, to the whole series. Yeah, look, it's incredible. Those guys, um, you know, Kelly's, all, all of those Victorian teams, they've done an amazing job. And as we all know, it's sounds like a cliche, but it's not. It really is an important point. But the families that have supported them through that and the, and the wives and the kids and the husbands and all those guys that allow them to go and um, keep the series going, which essentially, which they have done, is just amazing. And they deserve the biggest round of applause you could ever give someone. But, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, the... We were lucky uh, being based in Queensland. I think the the longest stretch we did was about six weeks for our guys um, without going home. So we're certainly not complaining. We've um, you know we've had it easy compared to those guys. But yeah, it's been challenging as you can imagine. We just we I think we did six events in seven weekends. Which you know if you'd asked any team in normal sort of season if they'd consider that when you're showing them a calendar they just tell you to take a run and jump so um but it just goes to show you how adaptable you can be when you know you've got to get the show on the road and and sort of stay in our own little bubble we were we were block booking hotels and everybody was staying in the same place and we weren't going out anywhere we were just living from the hotel to the racetrack hotel racetrack and really trying to keep ourselves uh, self-contained so we could get get our events away and you know the paddocks were locked down and no one was allowed in and we developed you know um, our own sort of apps where you give yourself a health check each day uh, before you come into the circuit and if anyone wasn't feeling well um, you weren't allowed in so we, we took some quite extensive measures to protect the people uh, any public we did come into contact with and, and the product which at the end of the day is our racing and our series so everyone did an amazing job it's yeah it was sort of weird but nice actually to be part of it you feel like you've achieved something at the end of the year was there any sorry but was there any unintended and positive consequence out of what happened through the series that maybe you might better take on and apply for next season cost cutting or the size of the teams or the frequency yeah. that you race there must have been some positives that maybe you can look toward that you would wouldn't expect in the first place Adrian. a hundred percent you know the, um, at the start of this sort of when we all left melbourne uh, from the grand prix we obviously all sat down we didn't know what was in front of us as nobody did but um you sit there and we had a couple of months to really reflect and and talk to the team owners and the teams about how we can safeguard the business, how we can cut costs out everywhere. So we went, you know, we went from three-day meetings down to two days. Teams were bringing, I think Adelaide, one team, took 28 people for two cars and then we rocked up at SMP for our first race back and we were 13 people, including the drivers. And we, and we kept that throughout the rest of the year. We allowed a few more people at Bathurst. Um, so to answer the question, yeah, I mean, I'm in the process now of doing the rule book and formats and schedules and things for next year. And and one of the things we have carried over is our personnel restrictions. Um, and, and it all adds up, you know, you look at flights, hotels, per diems, all these things. It's a significant amount of money that we managed to save throughout the year. Um, and we certainly will carry on, carry through a lot of those learnings uh, into next year and beyond. Adrian, so now Bathurst is done, the champion has departed. 
um, you're in, you're clearly never healthier. You've never been as healthy as you are now, obviously, because you get it checked all the time. Um, does that put a full stop on the season gone? And now you start on the season, seasons to come? Or are you, is it, yeah, yeah. you still got a wash up from, uh, from this year? But- no, I mean, look, we're, we're having meetings, we're reviewing everything that went on. We're, you know, like every business, we're, we're looking at our structure, looking at our org chart, where we have people, where we don't have people. We're trying to plan. You, you still don't know what you're planning for. I don't think anyone does. I don't think anyone is foolish to believe January 1 will roll around and the world will revert back to where we were two years ago. So you, we're going into next year developing a calendar that could be flexible if we need it, you know, are we able to have spectators? Are we not? Are we going to have support categories? Do we don't? There's still so many unknowns. Um, so we're, we're just developing that um, as we speak, and that will be presented to the team owners uh, fairly shortly. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. We're all fairly healthy. I think I've had a little a little product that knows about a dozen times, um, and some of those were funny experiences. They vary massively from, <laughs> from one collector to another collector. So... Uh, yeah, we've had some fun times on the road, but everyone was um, everyone was happy doing it. Everyone realised how important it was to the business to to isolate and um, you know and protect ourselves and the business and our families and our fans. So uh, yeah, it was good. It's been a good experience. Adrian, the thing that I noticed, and obviously it's from my background, which is is television, and and you know I know Nathan very well, was the fact that yeah. whilst the teams were doing exactly what you've just told us, television was doing exactly the same thing in the background and. And yet for the viewer and the viewer experience, you would never have known that you were doing pretty much week-on-week events. And I know how much it takes to get television ready at a venue. And that, that was incredibly impressive what Supercar did because it, it didn't reflect on air at all. Uh, it's been a crazy year. I mean, yeah, Nathan and his guys, as all the teams have done a fantastic job, we, we had essentially sort of 450 people that we were trying to keep together, keeping the same hotels. We were chartering uh, planes to get us from Darwin to Townsville and, and all over the place. And, you know, we actually went Darwin to Townsville back to back and then backed it up again the following weekend. The logistics and the sheer number of sort of schedule changes and, and freight organisation and hotel bookings and the, the logistics of the year have been absolutely crazy. So, you know, those guys within the business that um, primarily look after that stuff have certainly earned their money this year. And, and Nathan and TV and their crew and, and everybody have, have certainly played their part in that. You know, that side of it is nearly as big as the team's side. I think I'm about 170 people for example, within the 12 teams just to keep us racing. But, you know, then you've got the officials, you've got the Motorsport Australia, you know, stewards and officials and all the volunteers that we have coming to help put the events on. It's, it ends up being quite a big show and a lot of those people have been on the road for a significant amount of time this year. So uh, I'm sure they're all happy now, I'm finally getting home. Uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to getting in my own bed in another week's time. <laughs> We're joined on the Racing World podcast by Head of Motorsport for the uh, Virgin Australia V8 Supercar Series. A couple of significant departures at the end of this year, Adrian. Uh, one of them, of course, being Team Holden is all over, <laughs> essentially. Great way to win with Shane Van Gisbergen picking up Bathurst. And also after a very successful, albeit short, tenure, Penske have uh, upshot and they've bailed back to America again. Just a couple of thoughts on the departure of those two major names within the championship. 
Yeah, look, I mean, Holden for me is a holds a bit of a dear spot. So does Ford. I've managed to, I've had the opportunity to work with both brands, but Holden, I've always been extremely passionate about their racing, and 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 they they have formed part of you know our own series and our livelihoods and who Australia is in terms of its racing. They've been a huge part. And uh, to finish at the weekend with with Shane and Garth getting a getting the win for Holden was fantastic. I mean, especially for Garth as well. I mean, he's, he's all his time has been in a Holden, so I'm, I'm sure it was very emotional for him and it's probably fitting for Roland and his team to, to sort of end that official Holden era um, with a win in the great race. But um, look, we've got to look to the future. You can't look behind you. We've got GM uh, committed with the Camaro for Gen 3. Um, Ford are committed with the Mustang. So we've got another really exciting period of our lives and period of our sport coming up um, from 22 onwards so you know whilst it's disappointing on one side to see Holden leave Australia and you you feel sorry for all their all their workers and families and things that have been affected by the company's withdrawal but you know you know one door closes another one opens so it's that, that's a bit bittersweet uh, with Penske, you know, Roger and Tim, we've we've spent a lot of time with them personally and they're great people and they're racers and you love working with racers. Um, they came over saying they was going to do five years. They did six years, so it's disappointing to see them go, but equally you've got to understand it's difficult running a, a business, you know, a satellite operation the other side of the world from where their core business is. But um, they've definitely come in and done an amazing job and lifted the bar and, and everybody, again, as normal, is lifted with them. So the, the, the series is, is a better place for, for having those guys in it. And, um, yeah, I think we're all, I don't know about you guys, but I was certainly up at 5.30 on Monday morning seeing how Scotty went. Um, so I think the interest no from Australia over in America is just going to grow again, same as it did when Marcus went over there. So we should be proud of our, our export sort of thing that we've sent over there, and hopefully he does us all proud. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I, I have a lot to do with the IndyCar series and the thing that kept coming up um, again and again on social media threads and mainstream media and everything was the fact that Scott McLaughlin came from V8 Supercar. You know, and yeah. so it, it says a lot about where he's come from, which, you know, to the American viewer, they kind of don't necessarily know a lot about V8 Supercar like our two countries do, but it was a great testament to the series that Rogers groomed this guy, which is the first rookie Rogers taken on since 1999 into IndyCar, but he happened to come from Supercar to get there. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to do a good job. He had a tough weekend, which I'm sure he expected he was going to have a tough weekend. But if you look at his pace in practice, and then you consider the little incident they had in qualifying, he was always on the back foot uh, with a the strategy they had to run. But uh, look, he'll be fine. He'll he'll do a very good job, and I think sort of. You know, in the bigger picture, Australia and New Zealand should be extremely proud of its drivers. And they don't seem to travel that well, but when they do travel, you know, with Chas Most at one Daytona last year, and you know, and, and these guys, when they travel, they, they are up there with, with the world's best. Um, so it's great, I think, that we've had one of our guys head over there, and I'm sure, uh, sure he'll do a fantastic job and everyone will be proud of him. Adrian, when you came into your present position, you you kind of got into a bit of a hotbed of stuff with the um, the VCAT, you know, the aerodynamic stuff, and you got all that sorted out and sorted out pretty equitably in the end. I reckon they they can't be any more even than they are. But now you're going into the whole Gen Three thing, which is just going to be another hotbed as well, um, frankly. And um, <laughs> I don't really envy you the 
the process of looking after that. But how does that process start? I mean, how does somebody actually say, this is what the rules are? What's going to be the bottom line? What's the, you know, how do you start? Simple as that. <laughs> well, I'll thank you for the first part because it felt like a little bit of a backhanded compliment. But uh, look, Honestly. we've got some good people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 2018 was uh, was a sorry, 19 was a bit of a baptism of fire for me. But look, we've got good yeah. people. And we've got good partners we work with, especially in D2H and in the UK. And um, we we developed some very good tools and new processes for doing our VCAT. Our VCAT was very old and antiquated and it would have it worked 15 20 years ago but the teams that you're up against now are, are putting a million millions of dollars into developing their cars and they will work every single angle they can develop so you know i think we were probably a little bit slow in in going with them in terms of supercars going with them and being a policeman well you know we've developed our our own tools as well to keep those guys in check and i think this year showed that the work we did last year and you know we copped a lot of criticism last year and rightly so but uh we responded to that and we upped our game and our our um technology and the tools we work with and i think we did a good job so going into gen three i'm confident that um we're we're a year and a half away yet but i'm confident that the tools we've developed and the partners we're working with um will put us in a good position to make sure we can deliver two or three cars uh, sat there on the grid for the first race that are equal and paratized. Um, obviously, the way that we write the rules and the and the body styling guidelines, etc., equally have been revised and reviewed. And and the constraints that the manufacturers work with are much tighter than they used to be. You know, they they were given too many freedoms. And um, you know, I think we were guilty in the past of not saying no to them. You know, when they came up with we want this or want this, then. You know that we probably didn't say no when we should have done. So I think uh, I think we've all worked through that, GM and Ford, good or bad from that 2019 experience. But I think we've all realised we we need to work together for the good of the sport because it's no good. You know the position we are in, it damages what we're doing. So I think everybody is um, aware of the responsibility they have. Uh, to the series to make sure we have good racing and this year's racing has been fantastic I mean we've had some crazy battles when you look back on them and the amount of overtaking maneuvers and things and has been it's been great so I think everyone agrees that we all prosper when we work together and, and clearly Gen 3 that's the that's the ethos that's the working the key working assumptions that we're going into that program with so don't please don't scare me Bob <laughs> I guess one of the essentials that you're going to have to have coming, you know, going into the Gen 3 thing is that cars look like the road car version. There's not going to be a version yeah. of a Mustang that is cut down into um, no. into an Aussie race car. <laughs> it's going to be, no. they're all going to look, they're going to look right, basically. Yeah, look, look, the chassis is a lot lower. We've obviously, that's been one of the key areas um, that we've been looking at in the design and, and the chassis is just about signed off now and ready to go into production for the prototype anyway, but that's nearly 100 mil lower. Um, so the body fits on there a lot easier. You don't have to bastardize it sort of thing. So uh, there'll be far more panels that will be a direct copy of the road going panels, you know, the, the bonnet, the doors, the tailgate, the roof. Uh, the front and rear guards will take a little bit of, you know, bulging for the for the track width, um, but essentially they will be direct replica 
of the road going part. Uh, the glass house will be the same glass house as the road car. So already the feedback we're receiving from the manufacturers is that they like it. It's the direction that they want to go. It's, it resembles the road car far more than, than we have done in the past. So um, yeah, it, it's work in progress, but we're confident with the way we're going at the moment. And there'll be some flexibility with engines then, presumably. They don't all have to be V8, or they do. No, look, we, at the moment, we've only got V8, and the two manufacturers are working with wannabe with V8. So whilst we're not saying we wouldn't take anything outside of that, at the moment, we don't need to consider it. So it's quite straightforward for us. So they'll both be, you know, V8, you know, 5, 5.5, somewhere around there, litre capacity. You know, we've got... We've developed some really good tools, even in the engine side. We haven't been talking about engines. It's always been aero, aero, aero. But our parity now between our engines is very good, and we've got a very good system in place. Uh, we've got five engine builders now, and they all do it slightly differently from each other because uh, they're all engineers, and they all think they're better than the next bloke. But um, <laughs> we've got good processes in place to, to make sure you know, no one's got a leg up over anyone else. And, um, and that, again, will carry through into the, into the next generation of engine. Is there anyone else sniffing around manufacturer-wise? Any other mark that might crawl into V8 supercar land, Adrian? Oh, look, I mean, clearly I'm not going to say too much, am I? There's a couple of <laughs> people that are... Yeah, no, you've got to, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't. So, um, look, there are, there are a couple of people that are talking, but, you know, um, that, that's normally always the case. And I think the more we can show them with Gen 3, we can show them where we're going with it, we can show them all the work we're doing on removing the barriers of entry and for me that's normally cost you know we're taking trying to take cost out of the acquisition cost and the operating cost of the cars um so i think it's been received very well out there um now will people will we attract another manufacturer it's certainly the target but will we achieve it for 22 i, I can't say at this point in time but there's definitely some positive conversations going on at the moment so we'll just, just have to wait and see well, the fact that you're open to it, I think, is the great thing here. We yep. always like to see new marks involved, especially if the cars are actually going to look like the cars that we buy in the showroom but, afterwards. And, that's, and that's the key thing. That's the key thing. You know, Ford weren't happy with what they had to do to get it on the last chassis. So we obviously had to address that. And hopefully that opens the door for, you know, more manufacturers to come in. Adrian, it's time uh, probably we're going to have to let you go anyway because you're clearly very busy there in isolation. Um, <laughs> But just to blow smoke, this is my blowing smoke moment. Uh, it's a huge <laughs> job you've got, honestly. It's a, it's a pretty massive job, and I've known you an awful long time, and you're a good mate, but I can't imagine anybody with any more experience who would be better at the job than you doing what you're doing, because I think you sorted them out. Um, Belt Thanks, Bob. Since you've actually been in supercars, I really do. So that's my only blowing but, smoke but, moment of the day. <laughs> no, 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 it's nice to hear. But um, equally, you know, I'm not that, yeah. I know there's more than just me. There's a lot of people behind me. I've yeah, got some sure. fantastic people that work with us. And, uh, and you can't do everything. You know what it's like in life. You've got to be able to delegate. You've got to be able to trust people. So I do, you know, I've got a good group of people below me that, that take on certain areas of it. And I don't tell them how to do it. They're employed because they're good at that particular area. So... For me, all I'm just I'm just the chef. I'm just mixing everybody together and making sure we've got the right recipe. But it's those guys uh, around me and below me, and and some of the contractors we work with, which uh, that have helped us put together what we've got. But uh, I'm enjoying it. I love it, as you know. You know, this is 36 years or something or other. I can't do anything else. But uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else. We've got a, an amazing series here. We've showed that this year, and 
you know, hopefully next year will be just as strong. And uh, Gen 3 is such an exciting uh, project coming down the road. So, uh, no, life's good, Bob. Can't complain. Well done, mate. Yep, you've um, pulled an incredible series out of the fire. We've all enjoyed it very, very much. Plainly being New Zealanders, we're quite stoked with the way the series <laughs> went with uh, the overall champion and the Bathurst winner as well. Uh, head of motorsport, uh, head chef, Adrian Cook Burgess, uh, the uh, V8 Supercars, Virgin Australia V8 Supercars. We thank you very much for your time. Looking forward to carrying on these conversations. Stay safe, and I'm sure you'll love sleeping in your bed for the very first time in what must have been eons. Thanks for your time, Adrian. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Race Control Magazine is your IndyCar fan mag and so much more. Publishing monthly online on issuu.com, you'll find Race Control Magazine there for you to download and enjoy everything IndyCar and so much more. Behind-the-scenes features, race reports, and the entire Road to Indy series are just part of what you'll find along with stunning images captured from the series' leading photographers. Grab your copy today at iwsw.com to complete your motorsport read. You have a dream. You have all the drive in the world. You have talent to burn. Now all you need is a chance. Toyota are committed to developing and nurturing New Zealand's next generation of world-class racing drivers. Because if you can dream it, we can do it. Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine. 